For many, the ultimate symbol of achieving adulthood is owning your own home. A place that's all yours, where you can paint the walls whatever color you want, or maybe apply some shiplap. A place where you can update the appliances or change the lighting fixtures. A home of your own where you can rip out those carpets and expose those beautiful natural wood floors. Buying a home means that you can finally put all of that HGTV knowledge to good use. But there's a lot of financial responsibility that comes with buying. And as a perpetual renter, buying a home just seems so unachievable. According to a bank rate survey, mortgage rates approximately doubled just in 2022 alone. But those rates aren't scaring everyone away. Based on data from the 2023 National Association of Realtors Buyers and Sellers Generational Trend Report, Gen Z and millennials made up 32% of home buyers. And from 2014 to 2022, millennials accounted for the largest group of home buyers. I was always under this misunderstanding that you needed to be able to buy your home in full or at the very least have something close to like 30 or 40% for your down payment cost. But according to the 2022 National Association of Realtors Profile of Home Buyers and Sellers, among those who took out a mortgage to finance their home purchase, those buyers were typically only fronting out-of-pocket 6% as a down payment. That seems like I could actually achieve this a lot sooner than I imagined. But first, I should probably understand what an appraisal is. So let's start taking notes because this is Grown-up Stuff. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hello to all of our wonderful listeners and a heartfelt welcome back to Grown Up Stuff, How to Adult. 
In every episode, we learn how to be a little bit more grown up by tackling topics like buying a home, which is what we're going to talk about today. I am joined today by my dear friend and co-host, Matt. I'm curious to know more about what your biggest questions are about home buying. I have a lot of questions about home buying, and I think the home buying process is only getting more difficult. You know, my brother and his wife just bought a house in California, but they were looking for like two years to find a house. And then it's getting so competitive, not only in California, but across the country, because the supply of houses is very small, the demand is very high. And so people are kind of willing to do outrageous things. People are like waiving contingencies. One contingency example might be like, getting your home tested for like poisonous gases, like radon and other stuff like that. Or they're like paying hundreds of thousands of dollars more above the asking price. Or, you know, even in New York, people are like bidding on apartments now. It's like the housing situation is just getting a little out of control. And so I definitely think that this is muddied the even already muddy waters surrounding like the home buying process. And so, yeah, I feel like I have a thousand questions about buying a home. Oh, I understand so very little. Like, I don't know what escrow means. I sort of understand the concept of a mortgage a little bit. I think it's kind of like rent is how I understand it. Yeah, but it's just like it goes to like a piggy bank, basically, and you're paying off like the cost of the house, right? I can wrap my head around the piggy bank. (laughs) (laughs) But no, escrow, I think, is like a period of time or like a it's a bank That's account sort of what it's something I you're think. in people are always in escrow both? in escrow right right <laughs> but have no fear we are in excellent hands today with Vanessa Aragon she is a licensed real estate agent in Scottsdale Arizona thank goodness Vanessa's here uh, Vanessa was voted the most influential realtor actually <laughs> realtor realtor there is no extra a after the real part, it's just well, real tour. I, I don't know why I think it's this, but I looked it up online and this is like a mis- like people say realtor, but it, even though it's wrong, it is a thing that people say. Realtor. <laughs> I'm going to cave in on myself like a dying star. Realtor. Say it with me. <laughs> Realtor. Realtor. All right. Fuck. We this can't is do now this. lost okay. all meaning. Anyway, continued. Vanessa <laughs> was voted most influential realtor for. Oh! Okay. Vanessa. No, you did it. That was great. <laughs> I did it. You I did know, but then job. I thought about it. Okay. Vanessa was voted most influential realtor from 2021 to 2022 and serves as an ambassador for Realtor.com. Her TikTok, which has nearly 143,000 followers, is filled with helpful real estate advice for both Spanish and English-speaking homebuyers and sellers. In a recent post, Vanessa talks about how to apply for an FHA loan that would potentially allow you to finance 100% of the purchase price of your home without putting any money down. Matt, can I actually be a home buyer? For zero money down, it sounds more than possible, but let's see if we qualify first. That would be amazing if we did. Fair, fair. (laughs) And we're definitely going to find out what an FHA loan is with Vanessa, but this is also what she says is the biggest misconception about buying a home. People don't think they can actually afford the down payment. So true. Vanessa, thank you so much for joining us today. I personally am not a homeowner yet, but I want to start off with like the very simple question of what is the biggest misconception about buying a first home that you encounter when you work with your clients? Okay, first off, thank you so much for having me. I was very, very excited and looking forward to being on this show. I would say the biggest misconception It still is that you need 20% down to buy a house. That's not always the case. Yes, making a large down payment 
has its benefits. It helps you secure sometimes a lower monthly payment. It helps you get a better interest rate. But the reality is that for a lot of people, saving that kind of money, it's hard. So it's important that they know that there are other options that can give you the opportunity to get in a house with a smaller down payment. Actually, on average, first-time home buyers are putting down 6%. Oh, wow. So don't let the notion of this 20% keep you from buying a house. Talk to a lender first, find out the options you have, and choose a down payment that works for you, regardless of what anybody else says. And if you have like a trusted realtor, they can connect you with a lender that can help you begin the process of applying for a mortgage or at least present you the options of what loan programs they have available. That's great advice. Yeah. I want to talk about the biggest pros and cons of of buying a home or being a homeowner. You know, I'm still renting. And the biggest thing that I think about is like, oh, man, if something breaks in my apartment, I can just call the super and they can come fix it. So that's something you don't get with buying a home. But like, what are you gaining? And and what are some of the things like that that you might be losing? It depends on the reason why you're buying. Mm -hmm. For a lot of people, they might be looking at the benefit of fixing long-term housing expenses. You can't control your rent. But once you have your mortgage your mortgage stays the same. And they might be also looking to start building some equity. So equity is basically the difference between the balance on your mortgage and your home's market value. Okay. So that difference, it builds over time, but that equity adds to your overall net worth. And unlike rent, you're not building any wealth when you're paying rent. You're paying somebody else's mortgage. So that's the difference when you own a home and you get to really pay yourself every month. And of course, you have tax deductions and things like that. Is there a checklist for people to consider before they look into buying a home and you know, something to help them really determine like if their finances are where they need to be and if they're ready in other areas as well? Like if they're ready to take on home repairs, if they're ready to take on kind of all the other things that come with being a homeowner. Anyone that's thinking about buying a house, the first step they should take is to review their finances. Take a hard look at your income, your savings, your debts, your monthly expenses, and then start building a budget. Decide what you're comfortable with paying or allocating towards your housing expenses. Not just your mortgage, but your housing expenses, right? Once you take a look at that, then you need to look at how much funds you have to cover the actual purchase of the home. Cover your down payment, your closing costs, or any other miscellaneous expenses like moving expenses and things like that. Mm. If you determine that you're ready and you're ready to move on past that, at that moment, I would say that third step is assembling the best team to represent you, starting with a very good real estate agent. The realtor can help connect you with a lender and other people that can join that team that you need to help you with the purchase. One of those expenses that people often forget to budget for is utilities. And while you may be used to paying for certain utilities as a renter, like electricity and gas, those expenses can grow once you own a home, like paying for sewage, trash removal, and other upkeep. We'll dive more into utilities in an upcoming episode, but these are important factors to consider when calculating your home buying budget. 
how do we determine what our budget is for buying a house? You have to be disciplined enough that when you go out shopping, even if the lender approves you for more than what your budget is every month, you need to remember that you have a budget for a reason and you don't want to be house poor where all you do is pay for your mortgage and then you can no longer enjoy life and your lifestyle changes because you can't afford it anymore. Okay. How you establish your budget, um, I mean, you have to make a list of all your, like I said, all of your expenses, right? And maybe you need to shave off some expenses to allocate more money towards housing expenses. Because when you're a renter, you don't have to worry about mowing the lawn. You don't have to worry about caring for the roof and things like that. Right. When you're a homeowner, everything is your responsibility. So you establish a budget by making a list of all of the expenses you currently have, making a list of the things that you will become responsible for as a homeowner and start determining, okay, how much of my income can I really allocate towards that? So when we decide to approach lenders or the companies or banks that provide the home loans, what paperwork will we need to provide in order to apply for a loan? To apply for the loan, you don't need a ton of paperwork. But once you go under contract and they begin to underwrite your loan, then you'll begin to provide more documentation, at least the past two years of tax returns, pay stubs, bank statements, things like that, that can show the lender that you have an income, that you have your taxes that you've been filing, and your bank statements to show them that you have the funds to cover all of the down payment and closing costs for the purchase. And then the lender will tell you how much they can give you. And the lender can run through some scenarios with you to show you what that monthly payment looks like. So say the lender approves you for $300,000. The lender can tell you, hey, this is what your monthly payment would look like if you spend $300,000. If that monthly payment is higher than your budget, maybe you don't want to spend $300,000. Maybe you want to spend 250. So that's why talking to a lender is so useful for buyers because it'll give you just a clearer picture of what those figures look like. So in that early process, we're getting pre-approved for the loan, right? Correct. That's important to do every single time, I would assume. Like you're not going into this process without getting pre-approved for a loan. Is that accurate? For the state of Arizona, you cannot submit an offer on a house if you don't have a pre-qualification letter. As a realtor, if you come to me with a pre-qualification letter, I'm going to take you more serious. Mm. I understand you've done your homework. You've talked to a lender. You've already taken care of those first steps. If you don't come with a prequel, I'm still going to take you serious. But I know I need to first get you connected with somebody so that you can then get that prequel ready because we need it. Okay, so we're talking about loans here, and I just heard something called an FHA, which is a federal housing loan type of thing. Can you tell me a little bit about what that is and how it's different from some of the other lenders that someone would go to for a loan for a house? The most common types of loans that a lender will offer you are conventional or FHA. And the conventional loan requires that you have somewhat above average credit scores. The FHA is available for anybody that doesn't have that perfect credit score and also offers phenomenal small down payment so that you can still be able to buy a house. FHA will have some more restrictions. That conventional one gives you more freedom. There are hardly any 
any or no restrictions at all. With those, you can also skip getting an appraisal. With an FHA, you have to get an appraisal. So there are some pros and cons, you know, of doing an FHA. But for a lot of people, that FHA is really the only option. Besides those two, we have VA loans, and those are available for anyone who served in the military. FHA stands for Federal Housing Administration. And according to NerdWallet, you'll need a credit score north of 500 in order to qualify for an FHA loan. And the home you're purchasing needs to be your primary residence. There's one other term that I've always heard a lot when it comes to home buying, and it can also impact your monthly housing costs, and that's an HOA. I wanted to find out more about these hyper-local governing bodies and if there's a reason to steer clear of a home with an HOA. So HOAs, I think it's subjective. Some people like them, some people don't like them. But in some neighborhoods, I think they're great. You know, if they have a community pool, the HOA handles all of that. They take care of the common areas like playgrounds. If it's a private community, you know, and there is a security guard, they cover for those expenses of paying for those people that work in any of the common areas. But HOAs are, it stands for Homeowners Association. And it's just a committee of people that they oversee everything in that community. And sometimes they have a say in what you can and cannot do with your property, which is why some people don't like to live in in a home that has an HOA. I've lived in in a home that has an HOA and I've been fine. I don't break the rules. (laughs) Uh, But you know, I feel like they just have some regulations and rules that you have to follow. And so some people don't want that limitation, especially when you're buying a house, right? They want to be able to do whatever they want, but I don't mind them. You know, I have clients that purchase home in HOAs and been happy with their purchases. And then you mentioned like, oh, they're responsible for the upkeep of many of those shared facilities. But part of that also then comes with fees that everybody in the community pays, right? Great point. Yes. So When you look at a house with an HOA, you want to become familiar with what that HOA fee is and the frequency, how often you're going to pay it. For example, some HOAs, you pay it once a year. It could be $500, $200, could be Um, Mm $1,000. There are some HOA fees that you pay every month. could be $100, could be $300. So it all depends, right? And I think that for some people, it makes sense, you know, to pay $100 or $200 a month for an HOA that allows you to have a community pool and a playground for your kids. Let's say we've got all of our budget figured out. We have that pre-approval. And now we're going to start looking for our home. How do we do this? Where do we start? What are some things that you always recommend to people that they look at when they're viewing a home in person to make sure that they don't get stuck with, you know, a lemon? I don't know if you could apply that to houses, but like, you know, that term. (laughs) Okay, so you start by partnering up with the realtor who's going to help you find that uh, dream home. They usually will set you up on a search, and then you're going to begin to get um, listings. When you like a listing, they'll walk you through the homes, show you the houses, give you a home tour. If there are any significant noticeable defects, you'll have some days where you can do your due diligence, like hiring an inspector, a professional that can then come into the house and tell you, hey, there's like this leak in the roof, right? 
You might want to repair that before closing. You might want to negotiate some of those credits from the seller. So when you go to a house, focus on just looking at the property, see if you like it. The location meets what you're looking for. If there's anything super noticeable, don't panic. You will have the time to bring in an inspector to make sure that you're not buying a bad house. We'll be right back with more grown-up stuff, how to adult, after a quick break. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. And we're back with more grown-up stuff, How to Adults. Okay, so let's say we put down the offer on the house. What happens next? Like, how are we submitting offers? How do we know if we can negotiate? What does that all look like? So everything is negotiable. And depending on who you're working with, your agent will advise you what they recommend you should negotiate on that offer you're writing. When you write an offer and you submit it over to a seller and they accept that offer, then you go under contract and you open escrow. And then we begin to fulfill all of the conditions of that contract to make sure that the home is clear to close. And then once um, you're clear to close, the lender releases the funds, the title company gets all the funds, and they release then the funds to the seller. They register the new name on the title, and then you get the keys. So that whole process is referred to as escrow, and that's what follows once you get an offer accepted. Now, I remember you told me once escrow means it could be a process, but it's also a company that basically manages all of it. Am I getting that right? So escrow means two things. So escrow before closing is what I just I was just explaining. Escrow 
post-closing takes a completely different meaning. It's essentially a special account that's set up by the lender. And this account is used by the lender to pay for your tax and insurance premiums on your behalf. So every time that you, you send a monthly payment, part of that monthly payment adds on to this escrow account. And then the lender goes into that account to withdraw funds to pay those bills for you when they're due. Oh, good to know. Okay. Mm -hmm. You also mentioned insurance. And earlier you mentioned closing costs. Like, what are those costs, like, roughly percentage-wise? And how do we figure it all out? Okay, so closing costs, to give you an idea of how to calculate them, give or take, you can do a rough calculation. It's 2 to 3% of the purchase price. Just save about 2 to 3% of the purchase price to cover for closing costs. Now, what they mean, they're just a set of fees that are part of every transaction. And both buyers and sellers have to pay those fees to compensate all of the people that facilitate the transaction for them. For example, there is a title company involved and they are the mediator between the buyer and the seller. They are responsible for doing an extensive search on the title to make sure that there is no liens on it. They're responsible for verifying previous tax records to make sure that the taxes have been paid. They are responsible for registering the title with the county. And then you have a whole set of people behind your lender or your bank or your union, whoever you're working with, they have another group of people that have to be compensated. There is a loan officer that took the application. There is underwriters, processors collecting all the documentation, funders, right? All of that group of people have to be paid, right? So to compensate them, we have closing costs. And that's why we're always going to have closing costs because we're always going to rely on those type of service providers to help us with these type of transactions. Okay, so with addition to these closing costs, what about our realtor's costs? What about the cost of our of the realtor we're using to buy a home? Um, is that separate? Is that included in closing costs? Buyers and sellers, yes, they both have closing costs, but they have some different closing costs that apply to each. So, for example, the buyer who's originating the loan, he's going to be responsible for majority of those lender costs and compensating that team of people that are responsible for the loan. Now, for the seller, they're responsible for compensating both agents. So they pay the commissions oh. of both agents, the buyer's agent and the listing agent. Okay. So as a buyer, why wouldn't you use a buyer's agent? You know, you don't pay for that. The seller does. Yeah. Because the seller agrees on a commission, right, for the sale of their home. And that commission is split into two. Half goes to the agent that brings the sale and the other half for the agent that lists the home on the market. Which I want to mention on this same topic that... No, if you go directly to a listing agent, that doesn't mean you get a discount as a buyer because people think, <laughs> well, if I go direct to the listing agent, can I get a discount? No, you really don't, okay? Because that agent, that listing agent is representing the seller. Mm -hmm. They are looking to get the seller the highest and most that they can for that house. They're not being paid to represent you. So what you're going to end up doing is exposing yourself, you know, and not having the right representation, somebody that negotiates. They're not going to negotiate for you. Right. You know, a listing agent's not going to negotiate the best terms for you. A buyer's agent will. And guess what? You don't have to pay for it. 
So while the seller is usually responsible for compensating both agents, inspection costs are the responsibility of the buyer. And it's not something you want to skip as it's an important chance to make sure the home is not filled with unexpected repairs that you'll be on the hook for after signing. An inspection can also be a helpful negotiating tool for those repairs that need to happen before you move in. Fairly straightforward, right? But then there's also an appraisal. And to be honest, I've always been confused about the difference between an appraisal and an inspection. I asked Vanessa to explain what these two things are and why they're so essential for buyers. You mentioned inspections and appraisals, and this is an area where I get so confused because I honestly don't know the difference. Explain to me a little bit. Okay, so an inspector gets hired in the beginning process of buying a home. You have a certain amount of days when you can do your due diligence. You bring anyone and everyone that can help you check the home for defects, find mold, uh, make sure the pool is working, make sure the roof is in good condition, right? Those are inspectors. They come in to check the home, okay? You pay for those out of pocket, and that is an expense that you usually will pay for upfront. So besides your down payment, your closing costs, you pay for an inspection. The inspection costs roughly 500 to 600-ish just to get a residential home inspected. And the appraiser is actually hired through the lender. Oh, okay. They have a third party that they go to and they hire this appraiser to come in and do evaluation of the property. And the reason they do this is because as the lender, they are not going to lend you more than you need to buy the home, right? Like they're not going to lend more than the home is worth either. So if the home is worth $400,000, they're going to lend you only $400,000. If John Smith wants to pay more than $400,000, they're going to have to come out with that out of pocket, right? Oh, interesting. Um, Yeah. So that's why we have those appraisals. And the appraiser goes out to the property sometime in the middle of the buying process. And they put together a report that they then sent to the lender, letting them know, hey, it passed appraisal. It came back at value. They give them what that value is. The best case scenario is that the appraisal comes back above purchase price. Oh, okay. Because that's instant equity for you. Yeah. Because you're paying less than what the house is worth. But the problem is when the appraisal comes under purchase price, because then you're paying more for the house than what it's worth. Yeah. So then the lender says, hey, Mr. Smith, we're not going to give you what you're paying for it. So either you come up with the difference or you renegotiate the price with the seller. And that's what a lot of people do. So when you get that appraisal, if it's not a purchase price and it's under what you're offering, they'll just renegotiate with the seller. And most often than not, uh, the sellers are very understanding and they'll reduce the price. Okay. That's good to know. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're not necessarily stuck in that moment with being like, oh, I have to figure out how to come up with this X number of dollars. Correct. This is why this is a safety net for buyers so that when you go into buying a house, you know that, hey, for any reason, you know, this house does not appraise or it doesn't come back at the price that you're paying for it. Mm -hmm. You can renegotiate if you don't come to terms and there is no meeting of the minds. You can walk away, get your earnest money back and go about your business. You will not be in breach of contract. That's good to know, because that was actually my last question. I was like, what is the latest point we could say, this is not the house for me anymore? I don't want this. 
probably around the time of the appraisal. Okay. That's like the last exit sign that I feel buyers have, you know, because after the appraisal at that point, I mean, the lender is going to begin underwriting process to get you clear to close. Mm -hmm. But up until that point, you know, you can still say, hey, no, this is not the house I want. Walk away, cancel the contract and move on. Now, is this also a situation in which we can negotiate repairs and then would an appraiser ever come back out after like major repairs have been done to a house? Excellent question. So the times when an appraiser is sent out or an inspector is sent out, it's um, when you have an FHA loan, sometimes Mm -hmm. you may have an inspector go back out to the house or somebody may be sent back to the house to make sure that whatever was inspected that wasn't meeting those guidelines of that loan has been corrected. That's when that happens, okay? And for repairs, when you're doing that inspection mm-hmm. and the inspector sends you a report with all of the crazy things they found in the house, yeah. you're going to have a period of time when you're going to sit down with your agent and you're going to review all the findings and decide what you want to request as a repair from the seller. Sometimes the sellers don't want to deal with it, so they'll give you a credit, for you to take care of it, you know, on your own. Mm -hmm. Some sellers are very prideful and they want to do it themselves and they just want to hand you the home in the best possible condition that they can. And they'll do it themselves and take care of it before closing. Okay, so now let's say we're at closing. Let's say we've gotten through this. What exactly happens at closing? Like, what exactly is the process? One more thing that happens in the process, it's a final walkthrough. During this final walkthrough, usually about three days before closing, you go to the home one more time with your agent and you walk the property to make sure that all of those repairs that the seller agreed to make, they've been made. Mm -hmm. If for any reason there is a significant repair that didn't happen, you still have those three days to try to negotiate something, right? To try to find a solution. If you don't, because the seller agreed to fix something and they didn't fix it, then you can still walk away because you can validate that they had agreed to do something and they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So even if it's three days before closing, but you know, if seller is in breach of contract by not correcting some of those repairs, you can still walk away and cancel contract. Okay, now let's assume that nothing's wrong. You went through your final walkthrough. The house is in great condition. All the repairs have been corrected. Then, you know, your title company will contact you to schedule you for signing. And then on the day of signing, you show up to your title company or wherever you agree to sign documents. And you then sit down with the notary and they review all of your, it's so many documents. Uh, you're going uh, to give your autograph about 100 times just in less than 30 minutes. And so they go through all the paperwork, you sign your, your documents, and then those documents are then sent over to title and you know they complete the process. And then hopefully by the end of that day, you're going to have the keys to your house. That's amazing. So, okay. So once you go through closing, then you're like good to move in? Yeah. Once you get the keys to your house, you're pretty much good to move in. So Vanessa, you know, we've talked a lot about all of the many things that kind of, I don't want to say secret, but the tricky stuff that we don't think about that also goes into buying a home Mm -hmm. um, or being a homeowner more specifically, like homeowner's insurance and then home warranty. What are the difference between these two things? Okay, so homeowner's insurance is what's going to protect the structural damages to a home in the event of fire, tornadoes, 
natural disasters, okay? Mm -hmm. But they don't protect you against the AC breaking down. Got it. They don't help you if the appliances break down. You're going to need home warranty for that. Okay. So then home warranty basically covers all of the appliances or maybe if you need a plumber to come in and check something, that's what home warranty is for. Unlike home warranty, homeowner's insurance is required by the lender and they're going to require and ask you to get one before closing. Okay, so there's a stat out here right now that says 40% of homeowners say that buying a home was the most stressful event in their life. Do you have any advice for those going through this process to make it less stressful? Working with the right people can go a long way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have systems. We have a book of business to refer you to so that you don't have to stress finding an inspector or finding the right lender. The other thing I would say, too, is asking a lot of questions I feel like a lot of people are fearful to call the agent to ask questions once they go under contract. Don't be afraid. Call your agent. If something is keeping you up at night or you are doubting an offer or anything at all, right? I feel like a lot of people get so stressed because they just don't know what's going on. So maintaining good communication with the client, I think, can alleviate some of that stress. Of course, there's going to be roadblocks around the, along the way and things that are going to happen. Right. But majority of things are fixable. Majority of things we can figure out as a team. It doesn't have to be stressful. So I think it's just essential that you find an agent that you trust to do what they need to do and have your best interest at heart and make this a very smooth and seamless process. Well, Vanessa, you sound like you're the right person for the job. And thank you. Um, thank you so much. I honestly feel like I know way more about buying a house than I did before. Good. And I feel less stressed about the prospects of potentially doing it someday. So thank you so much for that. No, thank you for having me. It was it was a pleasure. I had a lot of fun. So Vanessa, where can people find you if they want to reach out with questions or if they're in the Arizona area? So you can find me on social media. I have all of the different platforms. I'm more uh, known on TikTok. So you can find me, look me up on TikTok. I have a lot of useful educational content on there for both buyers, sellers, and I have it in Spanish too. So if you don't know where to begin, look me up on TikTok, Vanessa Aragon, V-A-N-E-S-S-A, Aragon, A-R-A-G-O-N, Realtor, and you'll find me. Perfect. Great. Thank you so much. A huge thank you again to Vanessa for joining us on the show. Here are some of the major points that I learned from Vanessa today. You can make a down payment as low as 6% or sometimes lower on a home you want to purchase. FHA loans can be a great option to finance a primary residence with a super low down payment. However, you'll need to make a credit score minimum to qualify. And remember that with a lower down payment, you're looking at higher monthly mortgage payments. Set aside 2 to 3% of the home price for your closing costs. An inspection is an out-of-pocket expense for the buyer that happens early in the process that allows them to check out the home and really know what they're in for in terms of repairs. The appraiser is hired through the lender to determine how much you actually need to borrow to buy the home. The appraisal is also the last opportunity to walk away from a house that you've made an offer on. And finally, escrow means two different things when it comes to real estate. First, it means the account in which all of your deposits are held during the home buying process. 
Second, it's the account that your lender creates to hold the money that's going to cover the costs of property taxes and your homeowner's insurance, the funds of which are taken out of your mortgage payments. That's all for today's episode. Matt, I may legit go out and see what kind of loan I can qualify for after talking to Vanessa. I know. It's like, if only I knew these things when my current apartment was up for sale 10 years ago, I would have a lot of equity in this place by now. And I know I know what that means. Yeah, exactly. But on a brighter note, let's talk about what is next up on Grown Up Stuff, How to Adult. Next up is utilities. What's included, how they work, and tips to better understand your usage and save money. Great. And maybe I can figure out how the hell I'm still using more energy than my neighbors, even when I'm out of town. We'll find out in two weeks on the next Grown Up Stuff, How to Adult. And remember, you might not be graded in life, but it never hurts to do your homework. This is a production from Ruby Studios from iHeartMedia. Our executive producers are Molly Sosha. And Matt Stillo. This episode was engineered by Matt Stillo. And written by Molly Sosha. Special thanks to the Ruby team at iHeartMedia, including Ethan Fixell, Rachel Swan-Krasnoff, Amber Smith, Nakia Swinton, Sarah Kaiser, Sierra Spreen, and Andy Kelly. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.